broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. Is there a delay today? What's happening? <laughs> Joined in studio, as almost always. Hey, C.W. By Krista Baruti. How are you today? Producer, should we call you extraordinaire today? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm in a great mood. I'm feeling good. You know, I came in this afternoon instead of at, what, 6 in the morning yeah. to get here at 8. Yeah, that's right. Um, it is awesome having a 20-minute commute be 20 minutes versus an hour of crawling traffic. This is true. This is true. And beautiful weather, too. I mean, if it was this beautiful at 6.30 in the morning, I wouldn't have a problem, but... And you, you spent the weekend hanging out in the rain at the beach? It, well, it was sunny the first day and then a little the second day. Pensacola Beach. We had a beach house. It's beautiful. But we were still next to the beach. Who cares if it's a little cloudy? <laughs> we still had plenty of I daiquiris. wasn't at the beach. I guess I can't, can't give you a hard time about the weather. Well, who do we have in the studio today? I'm so happy to be back. Well, we've got a real sharp fella and a company I'm excited to help people get an understanding that uh, about what they do. We've got Mike Share from Frontline Selling, CEO and founder of the company. And Mike, you're a busy guy. It's hard to get you here sometimes because you've got so many things going on, but thanks for taking some time. Well, it's good to be here. Um, just, you know, uh, yeah, it is a lot busy going on and uh, <laughs> but um, would, would um, you know, always love to come by and say hello. Well, and and so for the folks out there that aren't familiar with frontline selling, what the company helps businesses do is get more first-time appointments with qualified leads, people who need whatever it is, product service, you name, you know, the item that you're trying to introduce to somebody to move your business forward. And if you have somebody that's in your sales force or marketing force, uh, however you have it divided out. Um, I'm sure you hear how hard it is to get that appointment, how hard it is to get somebody to call you back or to answer the phone or return an email, any any number of those efforts that you go through to try to connect with a, a new client. Or to get be. past the evil gatekeeper. <laughs> yes, the evil gatekeeper, yes. yes. And the experts at Frontline Selling, help you do just that for sure. Um, they, they help you take your first time appointments through the roof with regards to where it was before you get introduced to them. Um, and there's a couple of ways you, you do it. You, you can do some outsource type services where you just kind of take over that process or a part of it for, for a business who's looking for that. Uh, or mm -hmm. you can come in and um, give them the tools to kind of brush up the folks that are on the on the business side, your client side, that are doing it for them and kind of train them up. That is correct, yeah. We've um, developed a methodology and a technology on how to get those critical first appointments. We call it staccato. And as you mentioned, we make money from that capability a couple different ways. They can We can fish for them or we can teach them how to fish for themselves <laughs> if, they, if they'd like and use, uh, use the tools and technologies to just drive the number and the quality of those first meaningful business conversations through the roof. As it relates to the two options that you provide, whether you're doing the outsource services or training an inside sales team for a business, where's the dividing line in your experience in terms of what option makes sense for somebody when they're thinking about one or the other? Well, it's um, th there's really two considerations. The first one is just the 
what the organization looks like. A lot of times we'll work with companies that are startup organizations. Maybe there's just a founder or just a VP of sales or, you know, one or two sales guys. And, um, you know, they really don't have the infrastructure in-house to go, go ahead and have us do the training. So they'll just outsource that process to us. Um, other times we'll work with larger organizations that just, um, you know, where we can do one, one or the other or both. Uh, but a lot of times it comes, just comes down to either the culture of the organization. Some people are predisposed and says, Hey, uh, uh, predisposed to outsourcing. They say, Hey, this is not our core competency. Um, we just want to, you know, we need to get this up and running very quickly. You already have the staff. They're trained. They're expert at the methodology. We can come in turnkey and get them started right away. That brings them to market very, very quickly. Uh, quite frankly, there's um, you know the other is just where they are in that sort of insourcing outsourcing cycle that most companies go through. Uh, this is a, a challenge whether they've tried to build it out internally. Maybe that wasn't successful for them. Maybe they've tried some other outsourcing company that wasn't successful for them. So they just keep going back and forth from insourcing to outsourcing. So it just depends on when we catch them yeah. in that cycle <laughs> where they want to be. But um, but uh, about half of our clients do one, half do the other. Gotcha. Uh, and there is a, a good number of, of, of our clients uh, in, in, uh, uh, that, that actually do both. They might start with one and then go to the other. We re- really don't care much how we help them solve the problem sure. as long as we help them solve the problem. From the perspective of vertical, any kind of business that is doing inside prospecting? As long as they're selling business, if they're selling business to business, uh, they're generally a very, very good prospect for us. Um, typically, if they have some level of complexity to their sale, they're selling something other than paper clips, you know, something mm-hmm. where, you know, they, they might have to get to a higher decision maker. It's not a transactional type of sale. Any, any level of complexity is, is, and the more complex, the, the higher quality prospect they are for us. I think that's kind of interesting because based on the tone of what we're talking about here and what you're saying, it seems as though the the process and the approach to inside sales and to making those appointments is really almost more important than the content behind the call in, in, in the sense that you're, you're saying frontline selling can help basically any B2B that is reaching out by the phone to mm-hmm. their customer to mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm here, I can help you. Your your folks, I mean, what's the how, how much of an expert do they have to become on whatever topic it is that you're doing when you're doing outsource work? Sure. How, sure. How, how 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 much time does it take you to get your people able to make those appointments on behalf of company X? Uh, really doesn't take very long. Yeah. Generally within a couple of days, yeah. we, we're, we're up and running. The process is as important as the content. Uh, what most people think when they're, you know, doing prospecting, they think they, the people who are making the phone calls have to be expert in the subject matter. And that's where I was kind of going yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole now, pick up the damn phone thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I think you're making reference to a recent vlog right. I put out there, which is called pick up the damn phone. Yeah, yeah. Great, a great read, by the way, <laughs> check it out on the frontline selling blog or on his LinkedIn profile. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I ended up writing that one. If I, 
you know, I go into dozens and dozens of companies and I walk around there for, especially if they have some sort of inside team. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see anybody on the telephone. And I look around (laughs) and I say, what are you doing? And they're doing research. I'm saying, well, (laughs) stop doing research and pick up the damn phone. Right. Uh, You don't really need to know a whole lot about the business. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you're, you're one of these companies that sells B2B, sells something of any level of complexity, there's a really good chance that your prospects have no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. There's a, or if, even if you are some sort of brand, they, you know, they don't know you for what, whatever it is you're selling today. Uh, they don't wake up in the morning saying, <laughs> I need to buy one of these today, whatever right. it is you're selling. Yep. Uh, but, and that's the bad news. The good news is they're all likely to have the business issues and challenges that that your solution routinely and perhaps uniquely solves, whether they consciously acknowledge it or not. And you know what those business challenges are. There's probably, you could probably count them on one hand, you know, whether it's they want to, you know, your solution helps them grow revenue or, you know, reduce cost or helps them get from point A to point B or whatever it is, uh, better, faster, cheaper, more effectively. Right. That's the business problem. And anybody any executive of any of those prospective companies should want to have a business conversation about solving that problem. If not, they're not doing their job. And something you just said kind of ties in with uh, our conversation before we went on the air where I was asking, is the phone just ringing? People are saying, hey, I need to make more first-time appointments. You know, <laughs> we laughed about it because, you know, it was kind of a loaded question because I, I presume that wasn't the case because usually, just like you described just now, most of our clients don't wake up going, gosh, I just, if only I had the XYZ Shazamicillin solution. Um, and so from that perspective, when someone is hearing us talk about frontline selling and getting more first-time appointments, and they think, well, geez, I've got a, I've got an inside sales team. They're getting appointments. My, my salespeople are converting sales. Do you have an idea, a rough idea of metrics that, that if you are making, if your person is making a hundred phone calls, you should be closing X Y Z roughly as an, as an approximate ratio of that to convert to at least a first time conversation of some kind of appointment to talk. Yeah. Well, again, um, this kind of gets a little bit of inside baseball. I don't know. Are you a baseball fan? A little. A little bit, right? So um, if you're ever familiar with the, the movie Moneyball, mm-hmm. right? It's Wait, a process. Yeah. It's a, you know, <laughs> and, and, and Moneyball is based on this concept called, you know, of, of these other statistics that are, yeah. you know, a little outside the mainstream, right? So instead of batting average. Sabermetrics. The sabermetrics, exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, we look at, ourselves as almost being the sabermetrics of prospecting. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, instead of looking at, you know, batting average and home runs and RBIs, you know, most people look at the same things. You know, how many dials did I make? How many connects did I have? How many appointments did I make? And right. that's uh, and and we get much more granular than that. So what we do here at Frontline is we go into the next level of detail. And if you really think about it, you want to get your message socialized within an organization. You want to be able to create some social equity within an account and make sure that they're understanding about who you are and what you do. Well, in order to do that, you have to touch multiple people in an account. You have to touch them multiple times. So instead of looking at the traditional metrics of, you know, how many dials does it take, we look at 
How many key players did you touch in an account? How many times did you touch them? What's your frequency and interval of follow-up? And that is a much greater predictor to determine whether somebody from that company is going to want to respond positively to you. So if you look at from a traditional standpoint, if you just made a bunch of dials, the statistics are just about 5% of the time someone's going to pick up the phone. So you have to make 20 phone calls to get one person to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. You probably, If you're really, really good, you have to get eight people to interrupt eight people in a conversation in order to get one to have an appointment with you. Well, if you do the math, that's 160 phone calls a day, assuming all of your other data is pristine, which it never is, right? And if that's the reason why it's just not effective. It, you just run out of time. Yeah. Um, but when you look at these other metrics and you start planting voicemails and emails and different touch points within an account, and you're touching multiple people in an account, you're touching them multiple times, you're following up in the right frequency and interval, what happens is the message begins to get socialized within that account. They start having water cooler conversations about this guy CW who keeps calling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they start forwarding your emails. And then all of a sudden, you start getting return phone calls from that account rather than, than, uh, than do, going through more of the traditional, what I like to refer to as interrupt selling. Mm-hmm. In this case, they're actually calling you. But before they call you, they've had every chance to click on a link, review a case study, look at a research m- report. So not only are you getting more appointments, you're actually getting the people who are coming to the appointments having made on balance a much more well-considered decision because they've done some research on you before responding to you. Mm-hmm. And when, if I'm an inside salesperson and I'm making my calls and, and I'm staying on the phone, I'm not doing a lot of research, I'm just staying at it, doing, you know, doing what I need to be doing, smiling and dialing. Um, when we talked, one of the blog posts that you've got that you talk about, because you share some great information through, through your blog and, and through your LinkedIn uh, page, when it talks about uh, pace of follow-up, for example, timing and pace of follow-up, how do you how do you kind of close the door, at least for now, on a on a? I, I sent a I sent a voicemail out there. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you think okay they're 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 not interested and and I'm not going to ring it back again? You know that kind of thing, right? How much is too much? Um, or how much is not enough? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whichever. It, it, yeah. Because well, it could well, be both, either both. one. So the the the, the short answer is. Um, and we've looked at this. We've actually studied 1.8 million outreach efforts over the past 13 years and figured out just what the proper frequency and interval of follow-up should be. And the short answer is is that you should follow up with somebody every three business days. And you should follow up with them up until a maximum of five times until they either say, yes, I'm the right person and I want to talk to you or no, I'm not the right person, or no, I'm not interested, which, by the way, very few people actually say. Right. Or you expire five five attempts, right? And if you do that, if you do the math on that, it's every three days, five attempts. It's about two to three weeks, depending on you know how weekends fall. So um, most people only make one or two phone calls, and when you know w- when you, they don't get a response, they just assume the person's not interested. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. I mean, I get, I don't know about you, I get 180, 200 emails a day. Um, and if I were to send one email, you, I mean, it takes me, you know, 
two or th- my wife has to tell me something three or four <laughs> times before I actually do it, let alone a cold call email. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what happens is, you know, you can't confuse lack of response with lack of interest. So no means no. No answer means I just haven't gotten your attention yet. I mean, think about it. McDonald's wouldn't stop advertising to you after you, you know, you heard three jingles and, you know, three, you know, three I'm loving it's and, right. you know, they're not going to stop <laughs> advertising to you. Uh, it, it's just it takes a little bit longer. That's you know than what most people think. But usually, what happens is, I mean, I look at the people who are prospecting to me, and it's it's kind of funny. The um, I get maybe <laughs> one phone call. Ninety percent of the people only make one phone call or one outreach effort. Ninety-seven um, percent never make the third one. I wonder how many people realize when they're calling on you to market their software as a service, their X Y Z whatever realize who they're calling <laughs> they're calling like the guru who can sit and kind of you know, oh i test oh and I, you know I, I i save them and then i send them to their boss and i said listen if you want to if you want to get better at this i can get, <laughs> that's so. awesome and, and 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 the 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 interesting thing is it's just really not that difficult to do um it, it, it just something as simple as leaving a voicemail you know, there's characteristics of a, of a voicemail that will get you a higher response rate. It won't guarantee you a response rate, but as long as you identify yourself, you know, your name, your company, you, you, you tell them how you got there, whether you got referred by somebody, you are very succinct about what it is you want to schedule time or, what, you know, whatever your call to action is, and then give them uh, two uh, dates and times uh, to, you know, to schedule that time and a clear and concise way to return the phone call. The, you know, the, the voicemails I get are just hilarious sometimes. And someone will say, you know, hi, this is, you know, CW, call me back, uh, five, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, bye. And you can, you can't even make out what they say. Um, do they want you to call you back or do they want to get a call back or not? Or did they want the stat? <laughs> We're talking with an inside sales expert, Mike Shear, CEO and founder of Frontline Selling. And they're the company that can help you dramatically increase the number of first-time appointments that you're getting with your prospective clients for uh, your B2B company. And he's sharing some insight on how to leave a, a, a useful and effective email, that, or voicemail rather, that uh, increases your likelihood of actually getting a phone call back. Is there mm-hmm. some advice that you have with regards to how long that voicemail should be? It, uh, if you do it correct, if you have those characteristics, it'll take somewhere between, you know, 28 and 32 seconds to really? that voicemail. Okay. Yeah. And just be, it, you know, when people, uh, whether you're leaving a voicemail or you're calling them up, you know, people are naturally suspicious of who's on the other end of the phone. Right. And the, you know, there's not a whole lot of magical things you can do, but the simplest thing, you, you, the easiest thing you can do to lower that suspicion is just tell them who you are and where you're from and what, what you want and make it very simple. It's, it's, and, and, and everybody tries to be very, very complicated about it. But yeah. uh, uh, we did a study of people just leaving, you know, what their studies are, I mean, what their habits are in terms of leaving voicemail. And of all the voicemails we looked at, only 78% of the people left their name, who they were and where they were from. So that means 22% did not. 
they called and they never identified who they were. <laughs> just call me 20, back, give a number? Yeah. Or just, yeah. <laughs> I I first broke into inside sales. I spent some time in inside sales in uh, executive recruiting. And then from there, I did inside sales in locum tenants, placing temporary physicians. So uh, that's tough work. Yeah. Became very familiar with smiling and dialing. But uh, some of the folks in the executive search space where I started, I, I couldn't believe the coy, cagey voicemails they would leave with people being all kind of creepy and I'm like really <laughs> how many phone calls back do you ever get <laughs> it's uh, crazy maybe from <laughs> I, I don't know maybe Voicemail people who like 101 don't sound creepy <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right. right that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> I do find that times because I pay attention to it um, and it seems like I'm too verbose I end up leaving a minute long voicemail it seems like more often than not <laughs> hey you know it, it, it's not it, I got to cut it down. Well, you probably do. But <laughs> if that's the case, though, as long as the you have the characteristics in there, it could be a little bit longer. And that's fine as long as that kind of fits within your personality or fits within the relationship that you've built with whoever it is you're leaving that voicemail. Uh, but you want to identify yourself. You want to, you know, where you came from, how you got how you got referred to them. Uh, uh, just make sure you are very succinct about what it is you want, when you want to do it, and an easy way for them to respond to your your message. And just try to keep the extraneous stuff to a minimum. Are you able to give an example, or is that uh, too uh, at the point of a gun saying, "All right, go"? Oh, it's it's real simple. I mean, like my, with an example, because the reason why, and 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 it's playing into where I come from as probably a marginally, if that effective, inside salesperson, um, leaving verbose messages. Um, how much of how how far do you go into why you're calling? Clearly, you can't do a presentation on your voicemail, but um, well, again, the voicemail is there. Uh, you know, the reason why people are going to respond is not necessarily because of that voicemail, but you're going to have other touch points with very similar messaging uh, associated with it. So they'll be getting a, an email from you. You may have spoken to their administrative assistant. If all those talk tracks are identical, then you start building greater level of familiarity. Mm-hmm. But the voicemail is actually quite simple. It'd be, it'd be something like, you know, hi, this is Mike Shear from Frontline Selling. Uh Sally over at uh, CW's office suggested I give you a call. I was hoping to get on your calendar next Tuesday or Wednesday, the the 30th or the 1st at 10 a.m. to talk about helping your sales team get more first appointments with the right people. Uh, please give me a call at 770-262-3009 and um, look forward to uh, – and let me know what's, what day's best for a phone call. Again, it's Mike Shear, 770-262-3009. Boom. Now everybody has my phone number. It was perfect. It was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I try to do that. I just, I I throw in a little too much fluff in there. Everybody, everybody thinks when they go through and the the first thing they look at is they, they look at the verbiage that we suggest and and their first reaction is always, well, that's a lot of words. I mean, I, I'm. Okay. And they're, they're always trying to say more than what's on the, on the paper. (laughs) They invent words, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like hiding in the wide open is the best approach when it comes to leaving a voicemail. Just, it, it, it's amazing when you, you know, uh, we were talking about this earlier. If you go down to 17th Street and ask somebody for for directions, they'll go out of your way to help you. So just as long as you're upfront 
and tell them what it is you're trying to accomplish and ask them for some help. Now, is all the the work that you do for your clients, is it all based on the phone or are you doing other things like email and things like that? I know that uh, one, of the, one of the articles that you wrote dealt with email, for mm-hmm. example. Um, can you talk about that? Is it basically you're, you're, you're focused on the phone type work? No, it's, uh, it's all the different communications. Uh, you know, some people are going to respond to you because of the voicemail you left or the whatever phone conversation you had because they're aud- you know, auditory learners, right? And other mm-hmm. people prefer email. And other people just, they're going to, it's because maybe their boss or somebody else, you know, suggested or, or forwarded a message that got your attention. So there's lots of different ways of, of doing that. So we're, we're uh, helping them, helping our clients not only with the, the phone part of it, but also all the email follow-up, when the email should be sent, what the content of the email should be, how often, uh, and um, and that's what this staccato application is all about is managing that process. And so that means then you could probably help me reduce the the, the size of the canon in my in my email down to one that doesn't have books. You can just Correct. maybe yep. have a paragraph or two, perhaps. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the uh, the key is that whatever voicemail you leave, the email you send, the conversation you have with the key player or their admin, all the talk track is succinct and sounds exactly the same. So think about it much more as like, you know, the McDonald's or the Nike, uh, you know, I'm loving it, just do it, just the the tagline. The reason why people will respond to you is not because your words are somehow more magical than somebody else's. It's because of the repetition of the request as much as the you know, the content. Content's gotta be relevant. It's gotta be around a business problem that they're looking to solve. But they'll tell you that by by their response. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if if I'm calling you at Frontline Selling and I found you basically um, through I don't know some, some sort of resource, a list of some kind of you know where I became aware of your company that way. Some so and so didn't recommend that I call. Mm-hmm. I would assume that's not a bad thing. No, um, not at all. So, how would you announce? You just would omit why I'm calling that, that part of why you're calling in, in terms of, I just happened to find your company. I thought it was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't have any reason other than I found you and you looked like you might be a great client for my company. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, I was doing some research, you know, found out that you guys are, you know, a high growth company here in the Atlanta market. Uh, the, and again, the purpose of my call is I was hoping to schedule 30 minutes next Tuesday or Wednesday to talk about helping your sales team get more first appointments so they can sell more. Who wouldn't want to do that? Mike Shear, CEO and founder of Frontline Selling, and clearly an expert in how to get appointments with the clients that you're trying to meet, sharing some expertise here with us that hopefully will help you and uh, your company grow your your top line and and you know make those appointments that you're you're trying to make. We talked a little bit before we went on the air about the fact that you're looking for people to join your team. Absolutely. Talk about that. It sounds like it's a cool place to work. Based on I've, I've talked to you a few times yeah. now. Uh, yeah, we're in we're in Alpharetta. We got um, about 55, 60 folks in in the company, and uh, looking for uh, folks, uh, particularly uh, one and two years out of school, or maybe even just out of school. Uh, it, this is perhaps the best core training and experience that 
you can get if, if you're looking for a career in sales. Uh, we represent big companies, small companies, lots of, you know, whether it's companies like uh, HP or Dell or somebody like that, or, uh, you know, companies that you, you know, are in really hot spaces like social media. Um, and those companies hire us to do their prospecting for them. Well, we need folks to join that team. We teach them the methodology. Uh, uh, you get to use state-of-the-art technology for prospecting optimization and sales acceleration. And you get to become familiar with not just one company and value proposition, but probably about a dozen of them. So whether it's uh, you know, most of our clients are in and around the technology space. So if you're looking for a career in technology sales, you'll have some great fundamental skills and you'll get 10 years worth of experience in two years. That's awesome. So then you can, what kind of track can your people take from, from starting with you, so, you know, straight out of school or, you know, recently out of school, getting started in their career? So I have, um, we have folk, I have uh, uh, one young lady who, uh, this was her second job out of school. She was uh, about six months out of school when, when, when she came here and, uh, she, you know, became a, you know, high performer at the company and within 18 months, she now runs our entire training program. So she does all of our client training probably has been to, you know, eight or nine countries and, um, you know, 25 cities in the U.S. training our clients. Um, and uh, But that's kind of career track you can have here. Wow. So it sounds like the, even within the company, because you're, you're a growing company mm-hmm. and uh, expanding, and, and so therefore it sounds like there are actual vertical opportunities for somebody who's so inclined to improve on their skill sets and advance through their you know, professional development, they can actually move up right where they are. They don't have to necessarily Absolutely. get skills and go on. Yep, that, that's exactly right. And you know, we'd much prefer you to, to, you know, take those skills and, and use them somewhere else in the company. Mm-hmm. And so when you send somebody out like that, what's the typical engagement like when you're training somebody? How long does it typically take to go out and sit down with a, a, a client who comes on board to have you kind of get their people note up, so to speak? On yeah. How to so, do it? so when, uh, when we're, uh, when someone is deploying our staccato on demand solution, and implementing that for their own benefit. There's a 30-day onboarding program that they go through to get them all assimilated. Uh, about a, uh, two of those 30 days is an on-site training class. So we'll, uh, we will go out on-site so for two days to get them fully acculturated in the methodology. It's a, it's a hands-on, high-energy, you know, two-day session and uh, everybody is way better at prospecting by the time we leave than, you know, than when we got there. Do you have some case studies of, in terms of some examples of where you've gone in and sat down with a company that had their existing team? You went in, you set your folks in, and they um, became familiar with your process, how you go about doing it, and, and then what it was yesterday. And then the, the folks from Frontline came, and we got onto their platform, and we started implementing their recommendations for how we approach yeah. prospecting, and now this is what we're doing. Yeah, this is not something where you're going to get 5 or 10% improvement. If you don't get at least a 50% uptick in the number of first appointments, something's 
dramatically wrong. Every single one of our clients has done a minimum of a 50% increase in the first 45 days in terms of the number of appointments, which means they're engaging in more opportunities, which means that they're, you know, they're uncovering, you know, more sales opportunities and selling more. That could be our, huge. Our, clearly. our typical, typical client, um, I have a client out in, uh, out in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, they're in the disaster recovery business continuity space. Um, they were trying to build out their inside business development team never could scale it above five folks. Uh, once we came out uh, and implemented Staccato, within nine months, they went from five to 40 people. That's amazing. They're, they're, <laughs> and they're, it took them, it took them uh, eight years to get their first 5,000 customers. They now acquire 1,000 new customers a quarter. Wow. I mean, that, that, it's amazing. that's beyondo. Yeah. I mean, how cool that, is that, that for you when you think about that? From the perspective of you know we every every election cycle we hear we create jobs. Think about that. How you your your system? You came in and you showed somebody. You helped this business go kaboom. But this think is, about that. They're employing it, it, a ton it's, of people It's pretty now. cool. It's pretty cool stuff. But it, it's also fairly routine for us. Um, for our clients, we have uh, another client who's uh, grown a hundred percent year over year, two years in a row. And when you ask them why, they'll tell you, well, of course, they have great products and they have, you know, really, really good people and a great management team. But they've been able to implement Staccato as a systematic way to uncover new opportunities. And with the with that platform where they're doing it themselves, you're mm-hmm. coming in, you're you're teaching them how to go about it the way you would recommend. And then they're using your platform. Is that kind of a cloud-based application mm-hmm. that, that they're using through a portal. They don't have to get hard, you know, it's installed all their hardware and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it actually works. Thing. If they have a CRM like Salesforce.com, it'll sit right inside of their Salesforce.com. Okay. You, can, you can find the application on the Salesforce App Exchange, for example. So it's like a plug-in or a... That, correct. It just yep. links right into yep. whatever it, it is It snaps into your, like in the case of Salesforce, it snaps into Salesforce like an app would snap into your iPhone. And what does that piece do for them differently than their it would because my my initial thought was that the biggest thing you're doing is changing their approach Mm -hmm. but is from the from the platform side of things are there data elements that you're capturing or that you're reporting that wouldn't necessarily be over in the crm where does that yeah so so salesforce or like most crm applications does a really good job of telling you how many things your guys are doing it doesn't tell you how well they're doing them. Uh, and then also, if you asked most salespeople and you said, do you believe you should use some short, sort of multi-touchpoint approach when you're doing your prospecting, 100 out of 100 are going to say, of course. The problem is things like Salesforce.com don't accommodate a true multi-touchpoint approach very well. Something as simple as if anybody's familiar with it, if you, if I were to call you and leave you a voicemail and send you an email, I actually have to put two tasks in there in Salesforce. It's very, very cumbersome. Um, so what the app does is three things. It streamlines that interface with a CRM such as Salesforce where it, um, it uh, turns it into a multi-touchpoint approach and guides the user through the multiple touches that they want to execute on each prospecting outreach that they do. Uh, The second thing it does 
is uh, it organizes and prioritizes their follow-up. And that, why that's really important is, you know, today, uh, when you go into your CRM, you always get the reminders going off in your mm-hmm. CRM. And there's always way more reminders going off <laughs> yes. than time that day to call, yes. which you dutifully ignore like the car alarm yes. in the parking lot, I, right? I've been there, done yep. that, yeah. yep. Um, and what, growing list. and what, the, what the, yeah, what the app does is it organizes and prioritizes because based on this 1.8 million study, it'll actually rank statistically which folks are statistically most probable to want to have that first conversation. So you're spending, so if you have a hundred people to follow up, you only have time to make 40 calls today. It'll tell you which 40 people based on the methodology are statistically most probable to want to have that first conversation. And then the last thing it does is it gives the management team insight a level deeper than you can get in most CRM applications. And it could tell them not only how well they're doing, not only the home runs and the and the batting average and the but also getting into a little bit more of the, some of the detailed metrics on how well they're doing the things. Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting about that. I, I I was trying to figure out from the the tracking standpoint where where does it fit in because someone might hear us talking about Staccato for example and think oh I've got Salesforce.com I, I'm I'm good I don't I don't need a new CRM but we're not talking about a CRM it's no. basically something that kind of layers over that and and makes it a little bit more efficient for your person to actually apply. It'll streamline that interface with your CRM application. Now, when you're dealing with, you're you're calling on CW for the first time and you're going to try to build out that Mm multi-touch contact, Mm -hmm. how does that process flow with regards to who else do I need to talk to? Well, you would you know typically who you want to sell to. It's the VP of supply chain. It's the head of HR. Right. It's whoever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a pretty simple approach. If 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 I know or I think CW is the the head of HR, uh, the first person I'm not going to call in the account is CW. I'm going to tr- I'm going to try to call above him. So I'm going to so I'm going to call at the CEO level or even to some other C-level executives, and I'm going to try to plant some touch points in those, you know, with that administrative assistant, with, you know, the the CEO, the CEO's email, CEO's admin, et cetera, and, um, and maybe even the chief financial officer as well, because what will they do when they get that message? you well, got to call Sam. Well, or, or the, I mean, they could certainly delete it or ignore it, which is going to happen, but if I don't send it to them, they can't forward it. So... If I if I were to just call CW, he I get a binary response. Either he responds to me or not. But if I'm getting a call and then, you know, if I call him and leave him a voicemail, he may not respond. But let's say a day or two later he gets an email gets forwarded to him. Uh, or a water cooler conversation or whatever happens in the office, eventually that message starts getting socialized. Uh, throughout the organization. Now the other and the other part is just because CW is the VP of supply chain doesn't always mean he's the right person for me to talk to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said a moment ago, um, I think is an important one, and, and it deals with the fact that I know at least through my years of inside selling, mm-hmm. it was gatekeeper. They're not, you, you, you don't look at them as gatekeepers, you look at them as allies. That, absolutely, because, um, you know, they're not really trying to keep you out. Um, they're... The fact is, is that if you're the VP of supply chain, how many people could you talk to in a meaningful way in a monthly basis? Maybe two or three, you know, vendors of all different types, right? 
And you should want to talk to vendors because just because you're the VP of supply chain doesn't mean you're infused with all the knowledge you need to, you know, to do your business, right? right. To run your business. So you just have to be selective about who you're going you're gonna to talk to because you have dozens or hundreds of people trying to talk to you. So the the gatekeeper, the admin, we call him the tour guide, is is there to to um, you know you want to leverage them and and understand what's the best way rather than if if you try to go around them you're going to get sure the response you fear the most. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're able to basically use the approach of, hey, can you help me? Absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, identify yourself because they're suspicious of who's calling. Tell them what you want. And then, and if they, uh, and just ask them for their help. And, and as long as you're respectful and courteous and you do it in a, you know, you don't waste their time. Uh, it's not going to happen a hundred percent of the time, but it'll happen almost everything, every single time. Well, knowing that you've got a busy schedule, I want to make sure I get you back mm -hmm. to your office here, but any other things that we need to, to make sure we get out there for, for someone who's listening to us thinking, geez, maybe I might need just, to get to know more about these yeah, folks. Yeah, just if, if, if you think you can, if you're out there and you think your, your sales team could benefit from getting more first appointments with the right people, we'd love to have a conversation and understand what it is you're doing today and how we might be able to help. And, uh, and if you, take a look under the covers of what staccato is and take the time to look at, you know, how it works. I think you'll find it's uh, it's simple. It's uh, makes a whole bunch of sense, but the most important thing is it works every single time it's tried. It's not like the Ron Burgundy 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> It's an optical illusion. <laughs> That's an optical. That still means 60% of it's the time. It's in the Geneva Conventions. You can look it up. Um, so with regards to, we talked about any vertical. It makes sense for mm -hmm. any vertical, your, your solution. Um, what about um, if you want to call it like uh, bandwidth, if you will? When I sell my solution as a company, I'm a B2B. I'm trying to introduce it to my marketplace. Mm -hmm. Is there a typical kind of a per transaction, per client kind of range that it makes the most type of sense not, to, to not do really, this? Really. Not really. Okay. Uh, we have clients who sell things for as little as 400 bucks a month Okay, up to average sales cycle, our average deal size uh, well into the seven figures. So there you go. I mean, basically, we've, we've illustrated the point. If your business is a B2B, you're calling on your prospective clients out there around whatever your market area is, and you're using the phone and email to do that, you need to link up with the folks at Frontline Selling to find out if you can't possibly be one of those success stories that you just described earlier. Man, that was crazy how it took somebody from 5 to 40 employees trying to keep up with the, with the business. Yeah, I think it's probably, probably at about 75 right now. <laughs> so, yeah, they keep growing. And we linked up with you on Twitter. Um, FrontlineSelling.com is the is the website, um, and then on Twitter uh, you can link up with them there at Frontline Mike is Mike's actual Twitter mm -hmm. handle, and then of course the company's Twitter handle is Sell More Period. And as he's illustrated, if you don't have at least a fifty percent increase over where you were yesterday before you got in touch with Mike, then something's wrong. So. I don't know if your business is interested in you know a fifty plus percent increase in uh, in total sales over where you were before. 
don't call. But uh, if you <laughs> if you'd like some kind of you know, and don't tell your board more, of directors. That's right. Don't tell the board of directors either. Um, but uh, clearly, they they are experts in their field. I'm I'm tickled to be able to have Mike here sharing some insight into how to do it uh, better when you're calling on your prospective clients to be. Make sure you link up with us on Twitter if you haven't done so already at Midtown BRX. We're tied in with uh, the folks at Frontline Selling through there, and you can get uh, access to their information. Tie in with Mike on uh, LinkedIn, too, because he produces some excellent articles that you can read. You can find those on the blog as well on the Frontline Selling website. They've got a great-looking website um, getting uh, getting redone with some friends of ours over at Dynamics Web Design. We're excited about it. Yep. They're, they're doing an awesome job. I was tickled to introduce that guest of the show to you, and I'm pleased to hear your collaborating. Um, any final thoughts before we have to go? Is that it? No, I appreciate uh, you having me here and looking forward to coming out here again. And if you're looking for a, a job in sales or you want to have a, a, a job in sales that's got a true career track for you, link, link up with them as well. Yeah, because you, can, you can go right to our uh, career site on frontlineselling.com. And uh, you have some vertical opportunities right there within the company if you're willing to uh, stretch and grow with them. So I actually text my friend during the segment. That's so awesome. he, he's going there now, I'm sure. Awesome. Perfect. Mike Shear, awesome. CEO, founder of Frontline Selling. Thanks for coming by, man. Always a pleasure. Great information. I get Great. fired up and make me want to go dial the phone whenever I talk to you. Go We're going to have to work on those <laughs> techniques on your direction giving skills, CW. He got here. <laughs> they always get here. <laughs> Next time we'll have Mike back. He's going to be bringing a, uh, a delighted client with him. When we'll get to hear their own story on how they uh, they did it. Yesterday we did this. Today we're doing that. And I think you'll be impressed. So looking forward to having you back down the road. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Everybody out there, thank you so much for making us a part of your day, whether you're listening here in the Atlanta area or abroad, because we've been broadcast in 50 countries. How about and, Dakotas? Uh, Do we have the Dakotas? Yeah, we've, we've, we've finally hit the Dakotas on Midtown Business. So we thank you all. The, the bison <laughs> are listening in the Dakotas. Um, and uh, so make sure you tie in with uh, these great guests that we have here. Thanks for making us part of your day. We'll see you same time, same place next week.